Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, the show dedicated to helping high six and seven figure entrepreneurs build amazing online companies and incredible lives. I'm your host and fellow e-commerce entrepreneur, Andrew Uderian. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show with me today. And today I want to talk about how to manage big, hairy, multi-month stressful projects that have a billion moving pieces because it's it can be tricky to do. You know, over the last decade or so, I've done a bunch of these three major cart redesigns, a blog redesign, four live conferences, two major software projects. I, I've spent years of my life and six figures in project and, and developer spend planning and executing on major projects. So I thought it'd be something worth just doing a quick episode on it and telling you what I've learned, kind of the strategy I employ, and, and hopefully maybe able to save you some, some agony and anguish in your next, next major project. But before we dive in, I want to give a big thank you to our two sponsors who make the show possible. First, to Liquid Web, who offers hands down the best place to host your WooCommerce store online, which is with an incredibly robust, stable, and scalable platform for your WooCommerce store to call home. One cool thing about them, they have a neat integration with Glue, that's G-L-E-W, that gives you way more from your analytics. So, so many of us log into our analytics dashboard, probably Google Analytics, look at numbers, don't get any actual data and go back to life as normal. But with Glue, you can understand which of your e-commerce, your WooCommerce store products are making you the most money versus sales, automatically calculates your customer lifetime value for you, makes recommendations on what products to bundle together. Really cool stuff. So actionable insights from your analytics with their Glue integration, which is pretty sweet. So if you want to learn more about them or get your Woo store on Liquid Web, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. And then secondly... A massive thank you to Clavio, who makes email marketing automation for e-commerce incredibly easy and profitable. And Clavio just rolled out a, a new sign-up form builder, which makes it very easy to create beautiful best practice pop-ups and embeds with some neat new options. They now offer support for exit intent triggering. You can only fire it with, you know, if somebody's getting ready to leave the page. URL targeting, so you can only, you know, you can show it just on certain URLs with custom copy for those URLs. Uh, additional input fields, so you can ask for things like birthdays or maybe, you know, what type of, you know, shopper someone is, what type of product they're looking for to be able to customize the email flows that they get. Pretty cool stuff. And then they also finally have location filtering. So you can filter your emails based on where people are in the country or the world. If you want to check out their new form builder or just get started with the absolute best platform to run your automated email marketing, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio to get set up with a free trial. So before we jump in, you know, I think some people might be thinking, well, why am I, why is it important that I do this project management and learn how to do this well? This is something I should outsource. And for some people, I think that makes sense. You know, if you can afford a great COO or a phenomenal project manager, it may make sense for you to do that. But if you're at the high six, low seven figure level, this is something that sometimes, you know, it's doesn't make sense to outsource either on a financial basis or on just an attention to detail basis, depending on the importance of the project. And, and this is, we're talking about big projects here. So these are, these are probably pretty mission critical to your business. And even if you do outsource it, I think it's important to go through this process a handful of times so you can manage it better if you do bring people on in the future to do it. So, so I'm going to start with a few things I've learned and then we'll get into the chronological, my kind of chronological approach to tackling these, these big hairy projects from beginning to end. I have found that I often build out 
unnecessary features. So when, you, when you're sitting at the very beginning and putting together your scope list or what you want done, a lot of times at the end, I'll realize, you know, I probably could have probably could have gotten by with half of the features I wanted. I think about, you know, a feature in our the directory we've built in e-commerce fuel where people you can go to the Shopify page that has all of the our members using Shopify in real time and you can email all of them and ask questions and th- that's something that is a cool feature when I thought about it. It's not something that necessarily gets used that much. I would also when especially if this is a software project which I mean, most of these are going to be because <laughs> we're all online. Uh, talk to your developer and have them, when they're running through your scope, ask them to tell you if there's any features that are going to be particularly difficult to implement. Sometimes we have a feature list, we get it built out, and after the fact we find out that you know this feature that really wasn't critical ended up taking 50 hours to implement. And knowing that up front is really nice. So that's something I always ask my developers to, to run by if there's a, something that takes a lot of time. I think it's more important to spend more time on the UX and less on the design, although I feel like that's that's kind of something that we oftentimes get backwards. How is the site, you know, how usable is the site versus how pretty does it look? I feel like I have a tendency, all of us do, to make it look pretty at the expense of UX, and that's something to keep in mind. When I'm working with developers or really anyone on a long-term project, I love, I love, love, love going on a contract basis versus an hourly basis because... And, and a lot of times this is usually what it's set up, but it can save you thousands of dollars because if you, you get really clear up front with what needs to get done, you're not paying if the developer is you know, going more slowly or if they, you know, if they underestimated what was going to happen. And plus, you just have some certainty in the deal of what it's going to cost. So I love for, for anything you know, that's going to you know, over 30, 40, even over 20 hours, I like having a contract. It makes it easier and I feel like it saves me money. It rarely makes sense in my experience to build something from scratch. Granted, highly customized, yes, but when I think about like the directories, if you don't know, when I say the directories, in our private community, we have something called the e-commerce field directories, and it goes out and it scans all of our member sites, all of our member stores, builds a tech stack around them. It can tell, you know, if somebody's using Shopify or Yapo or whatever, ask them to review the software so we have a proprietary uh, directory of non-biased reviews about software. So when we were building that, we built the whole thing and we built it around WordPress because WordPress took care of a lot of the user management and things like that. It wasn't 100% how we would have built it from scratch, but we could get there easily 70% of the way and it it saved us tens of thousands of dollars in development. Same thing for the job board we launched recently. We we customized a WordPress plugin and we had to customize it, but it was a great base to start from. So I hear about people sometimes building their own shopping carts from scratch and that just, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are cases that make sense. That is not the route that I would, I would you know, <laughs> advise most people to go down. So anyway, it's something to think about. I found that the marketing is almost always more important than the features or the design. Myself included, we almost always, I think, tend to overspend and overfocus on the, uh, how the site looks and feels and spend less time on the marketing. So that's just something I found to be true. And I'm trying to fight that with my future projects, but something to keep in mind too. And in terms of contractors, a few things I've learned about working with contractors is hold them to the scope that you write. You know, when you sit down and, and you have that agreement, definitely hold them to that scope of features, but don't always ask to go beyond. It's really easy to get in the middle of a project and be like, well, we should add this and add this and add this and do your best to fight that because not only will it take it long, take you longer to launch, but you're going to start annoying your developers. Pay your contractors on time. I, I mean, if you do this, if you pay them quickly, 
you will always be at the top of their list of people to work with. They'll prioritize you. And it's just a good thing to do. It's an ethical thing to do. So pay your contractors on time. And think about, you know, anytime you do a big, hairy project, there are things that are not going to come out like you hope. And you have a choice to either really just draw a line in the sand and, and, and whittle away the goodwill in that relationship to give every single thing done, every single thing done to, to you know, exact vision that you had in mind at the expense though of the relationship with your contractors. So I've got, you know, I have a relationship with my contractor now who we worked on, you know, multiple big projects together with, and there's give and take there, you know, and if I had burned all of our goodwill in that first project by insisting a couple things that were really hard and almost impossible to know that would have been very difficult to do from the outset that they do them and spend another 50 hours uncompensated by them, they probably would not have come back around to do good work on my other projects. So balance your demands with your long-term relationships with your contractors. So that being said, kind of the high-level things I've learned, here is the way I approach big projects. Number one, first step for me is pour a beer, grab some coffee, get absolutely everything, every element of the project that you can think of out on paper or, well, you know, Asana or Trello or something like that. So if I'm thinking about a site redesign. I don't even think about it in terms of different stages. I just start brainstorming and dump everything into a huge, massive list. I need to set up my 404 redirects. I need to bring over my customer data. I need to update my DNS. Oh, we're going to have a new logo. Oh, I need to figure out all of the things just blah, just explode it onto the paper. And this is something I would do over the course of many, many sessions. And I'd also have people in your team review it. You're going to add to this as you go through. You'll forget things. But the more you can get every step out on paper, or into your, you know, your system from the get-go, the easier it will be. Also identify at this stage the critical aspects of the project, which ones are really important, ones where you need to be super anal at you know, reviewing and making sure they're done well versus the ones that are, you, know, you need to get done, but they're less mission critical. So for example, if you're migrating shopping carts, SEO is huge, unless you're 100% paid traffic, right? So you need to make sure that even if you outsource those, you outsource the process of doing all your redirects from one URL to the other, that you are double checking those and you feel solid that they're, that they're in great place. If you're doing a lot of software work, this is also the stage where you need to sit down and, and write a very clear feature set of what you want. It's, it's easy to skip at this stage because it's hard and to just write a few things down and think you can change them later. Don't do it. Invest the time up front to get really clear on what you want and describe the functionality that you need. This is going to be really important because it's, it can save you thousands of dollars. What you put on this list, you can come back to a contractor at the end and say, hey, this isn't done. Please go do it. If you don't think through everything up front and you have to add a bunch of other things, you're going to be paying on an hourly basis and can cost you a lot of money. So step one, get everything out on paper and document it. Step two, set your timelines. So at this point, I like to go through and create stages. Take everything you've created in your massive mind dump and put it into four or five stages. You can create those, you know, kind of uh, those sections, start reorganizing things, and you start to see the project get a little more shape. So you're also starting to organize based on dependencies. So if you've got the, you know, migrating all the products, you can think through, well, we need to migrate, let's say someone needs to create the product listing before I have my VA come in and fill in the copy and the images. So you can, you can start prioritizing at this stage as well. And at this point, start assigning rough dates for the stages, not necessarily for the individual projects, but for the stages you want, you know, where you want to set those. Once you've done that, 
look at your, look at the, you know, the time, how long you think it's going to take you and increase that time by anywhere from 50% to double it. I have almost never, this recent job board project is one exception, but 80% of the projects I'm on, the big hairy projects I'm on that, you know, we're talking like three to six to nine months of work time they almost always go over by 50% to 2x. That's just the nature of life. And if you're banking on things going smoothly and on time and faster than you expect, you are living in an alternate universe. <laughs> so, so 50% to double to give yourself a realistic idea so that you're not getting frustrated, so that you, you know, that's the way I go into it. And, and usually that ends up being what the reality ends up being like. So you've got your timeline. You've got your stages. You've got kind of prioritized list of items. At this point, now you go through and and assign every task to a team member. This is this is fairly straightforward. A couple couple thoughts though. You try not to have people with a high skill set doing really menial things. So, example, you know, Laura, she's our community manager, very skilled woman, has a lot of you know, she's a stateside employee. I'm not going to have her when we did a big migration. I did not have her going through and doing data entry. That would be a waste of her time. So that was something that I had, you know, someone on Upwork or I had a VA take care of and I had her focus on the high value activities. If you have someone doing something that is much below their pay grade, figure out a way to upgrade them to have them do something else. Focus on the specialties. This is a great step too, I love this, to think through a lot of the tasks that take up a lot of time and in a two or three day stretch, especially if they're confusing, create a screencast for all the people doing things that aren't intuitive on how to do this. So if that's data entry for bringing over metadata for a bunch of products, I'll do a quick screencast on that and then put it into the task in Asana. And so when I assign it to a VA, bam, it's right there. They don't need anything. All the instructions are there. And if you front load a lot of that work, then you can really streamline keeping things moving along really nicely. And then finally, I try to get my contractors into my task management system as well. So if you can get them into Asana or Trello, whatever you're doing, it's nice to have one place where you can do everything. So number three, make sure every task is assigned to your team and you've got clear instructions how to perform that task if it's not you know already obvious. Number four, embrace your role as the quality control man or woman. I like to live by the mantra, unless you've seen something work properly, assume it's broken. And this is hard to do because it takes time, right? It takes time to go through and test things. But more often than not, things are not working the first time. And this isn't a issue of people necessarily being lazy or not doing their job right, but there's a lot of variables. If you're in software, there's a lot of debugging. That's, you know, that's just part of the beast, which there's a lot of moving parts in any big project. So unless you've seen it work properly, assume it's broken. And so the extent that you care and are willing to go through and stress test the project is really going to determine the final outcome of that project. Have high standards. Your biggest role, apart from setting the vision, assigning priorities, and kind of you know keeping those things running, is doing quality control, especially on your critical features. So go back, look at those high-level features that are most important, spend 70 to 80% of your time on that, but also you know do some spot checks on the other things as well. Quality control is your role in managing this kind of stuff. Number five, have regular check-in calls. So I like to, this is something I like to do just in my business is I have a couple standing calls per week with, with my team. But when you're doing a project, have a, you know, have a regular weekly call where you talk about a lot of things at once. You can batch them. So for small things that are really easy, you can, you can kind of go maybe once a day into your task management software, Asana, Trello, and, and you know, give people the quick answers they need to be able to move forward. If there's things that require more work, 
don't send emails back and forth, you know, where you're writing huge paragraphs. Consolidate those into a once or twice a week call where you can talk with your team on the phone to really hash those out in a much more efficient manager or manner rather. And that's how I like to do it. Don't, you know, don't put yourself to death by paper cuts. That's the way I like to manage those with regular check-in calls. So finally, number six is push your project live when you're 90% ready because you are never going to get to 100%. And I don't know if if this is just the nature of massive projects, but it always feels like at the very end of a project, you have this list of things that you think you're done and it keeps growing and growing. And usually these aren't mission critical things, right? I'm not saying, you know, launch something with your SEO redirects not working properly or, or with the core software not working. But the little things, the aesthetic things, the smaller, less consequential details, just launch it when you're 90% there. Because once you do push it live, chances are a lot of those things won't be noticed. If they are a big deal, then you can fix them after the fact. But at some point, you just have to push it live. So this is something that you know my developers have, have kind of encouraged me to do, and I've come to, to really believe in it after launching a number of projects. When you get to 90%, push it live and the things that are really important, you know, or the, the small things you think are important, you'll fix after the fact. If not, there's a good chance that they're not mission critical. And plus there's, there's other things you can fix those along the way. Anyway, try to, to be good about pushing something in the world when you're 90%. Otherwise it'll double your project time with very little benefit. I feel like to the, the end results for your, your customers. So, so that's it. So again, just quickly to summarize, number one, get everything out on paper or, or in your project management software Two, set your timelines and then make sure to increase the, the actual time by 50 to 100% for reality check. Three, make sure all of your tasks are assigned to your, your right team members and make sure you don't have people doing tasks that are way below their abilities. Number four, embrace your role as the quality control person and, and understand that that is what is going to make or break a project. Five, use check-in calls versus death by email. And number six, push it live when you're 90% ready to rock. So hope that helps. Love to hear your thoughts on project management, big audacious things that you have built out. You can comment on this at ecommercefield.com forward slash podcast. I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. So thanks so much and appreciate you listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode, but if you enjoyed what you heard and are interested in getting plugged into a dynamic community of experienced store owners, check us out at ecommercefuel.com. Ecommerce Fuel is the private vetted community for e-commerce entrepreneurs. And what makes us different is that we really heavily vet everyone that is a member to make sure that they're a great fit, that they can add value to a broader community. Everyone that joins has to be doing at least a quarter million dollars in sales via their store. And our average member does over seven figures in sales annually. So if you'd like to learn more, if that sounds interesting, you can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. And also have to thank our two sponsors that make the show possible, Liquid Web. If you are on WooCommerce or you're thinking about getting onto WooCommerce, Liquid Web is who you should have host your store, particularly with their managed WooCommerce hosting. It's highly elastic and scalable. It's got built-in tools to performance test your store so you can be confident it's going to work well. And it's built from the ground up for WooCommerce. And you can learn more about their offering at ecommercefield.com forward slash liquid web. And finally, Clavio for email marketing, they make email segmentation easy and powerful. They integrate with just about every card out there and help you build incredibly automated, powerful segments that make you money on autopilot. You can check them out and get started for free at clavio.com. Thanks so much for listening and looking forward to seeing you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight-knit, vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. 
You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you.